off the ball. Anthony, Anthony and Anthony. That would be the front three for Manchester United. Martial, Alanga and Anthony. I've laughed or socked off. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. And you're welcome to Off the Ball on News Talk. John Duggan sitting in for Joe Malloy today until seven. We will start the show by expressing our deepest condolences to the family of Jack de Bromhead. 13 year old Jack died in a tragic riding accident at the Glen Bay races on Ross Bay Beach in County Care yesterday. He survived by his father, the trainer Henry de Bromhead, his mother Heather, his sisters Mia and Georgia. It's just heartbreaking. Uh, the de Bromhead family from Waterford are well known in racing circles. Henry's a Gold Cup, a Grand National winning trainer. Jack was a talented young jockey. He rode a winner at the Herzogine Pony Races only last week. And may he rest in peace. It's, a, it's just incredibly sad. There are no words, but all we can do is express our deepest condolences to the family and, and Jack's friends. So we're on air until 7 o'clock today. Two live and exclusive Premier League commentary games to bring you here on News Talk. Brighton against Leicester City from 2. Then Manchester United against Arsenal from half 4. Anne-Marie Donnellan and Arthur James O'Dea join me for the news round. How are we both? Hi, John. Hi, John. Man United versus Arsenal. Is this a game you grew up with? I know you're a Liverpool fan, Anne-Marie, but yeah, this, yeah, this was it's one of the big games. probably the biggest and kind of fieriest rivalry in Premier League history. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago since Manchester United and Arsenal has been the main game of the weekend. Yeah. It kind of feels like we've come full circle almost. Yeah, Man City Liverpool is the one, but this still has a lot of iconic oh, for history, sure. doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And as you're saying, like growing up with it, like it was the one. Again, it was like the lads that you were talking to in the pay-per-view today, like certainly growing up a Man United fan. And um, it was just the it was the biggest most fearful kind of game that kind of, it was a little bit different when they were playing Liverpool you really didn't want them to lose that just for everything else that goes into it but the Man United Arsenal one always kind of just felt like it would be it was a great indicator of us where they were and it'd, it'd be very interesting to go back over the actual numbers on it but it didn't I don't recall ever that it seemed like whoever kind of did win that game had sort of the greater supremacy in the season yeah 2002 Viltor scored at um Old Trafford yeah. and effectively won you know, uh, Arsenal the title you remember the 1999 FA Cup game that was a huge component of Man United's treble win yeah uh, there were huge games and, and of course the even when it was kind of you know it's so funny now people think about the, the Keane and Vieira and the tunnel like, and it kind of probably already jumped the shark at that stage it wasn't really a, it wasn't the biggest game it at Keane all Keane was gone by the end of the year and like Chelsea were the new force yes, like, you know it. so it kind of but those geez, those big big games even at the turn of the millennium just the Henri goal at, at Highbury. The Henri goal off, yeah, off poor Dennis Irwin. And, um, but then you had like the 6-1 at, at Old Trafford when they just absolutely destroyed them. And you had, I think Dwight York was back at a hat-trick and Keane scored a great goal and it was just, it had that kind of oddness about it, almost a little bit like the Classicals during that prime as well, around the 2010s and stuff that you kind of, all of a sudden, just out of the blue someday, one of them could just hammer the other one. Whereas otherwise, then it could A2, be. Uh, I think it was one year as oh well. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> Arsenal had finished by that stage, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do we got to look forward to? We've got Nathan Murphy and Kenny Cunningham, and both managers in a really interesting position, Amory, because Arteta's got five wins out of five, and then Ten Hag has got three wins out of three, and both would be part, pretty cautiously optimistic about today's game. Yeah, and as you say, Arteta brings his side to Old Trafford, looking to maintain that 100% start to the new season. United, meanwhile, have won their last three games and appear to have turned a corner under new manager Eric Den Hag in the last few weeks. Speaking ahead of the game, Arteta says he's been impressed by United's sign-ins and is looking forward to renewing the rivalry. 
I think there have been moments where I think in the history and and all the media and everything that was talking about and a special rivalry between certain players built uh, certain momentum into this. Uh, but I think in England it doesn't get much better than that. Well, when you look at the squad that they have, uh, the players that they signed, the amount of money they have spent in the market, I'm not surprised they're going to win a lot of football matches. Um, and Manchester United history tells you that this is going to happen. So it's another big rival. We know that and we need to compete with them. United, meanwhile, then seem to be in a bit of a purple patch after a dreadful start to the season. They conceded six goals in their first two games, but have since just conceded one in three, keeping a clean sheet in their last two. Here's Den Hag explaining their improved defence and he's not expecting an easy afternoon, though. He says their bench will be crucial. Uh, collectively, I see the whole team is defending and that makes it more easy for, the, for our defenders. But I think what they do well is um, they cooperate and they do it together and they support each other. And yeah, then, uh, then they have a good performance and it's difficult for opponents to create chances. And that is, I think, what we see in this moment in the pitch. I've seen Arsenal, tough opponent. Um, they started really well, as we, as we all know, in the season. Uh, you can see there's a team who are longer together who, uh, with the coach. He's bringing his coaching, uh, his philosophy in the team. So for us, it's a good test and they're really looking forward. And we will pick the right 11 to start. Uh, but uh, as you see, um, it's not only team, we have a squad. Eric Ten Hag there will build up with Kenny Cunningham from four o'clock before the call with Nathan. Our first commentary game though, Brighton against Leicester City from two o'clock. Stephen Doyle is our match commentator. Stephen, how's the form? All good, thank you, John. Good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, how are the uh, teams looking, Stephen? Any surprises from both managers? Uh, well, there is a surprise on the Brighton side in that uh, Purvis Estupinian, uh, their left back, left wing back, I should say, who was signed for 18 million euro from Villarreal to replace Mark Kukurea, is out of the team. He's not even on the bench. Uh, this wasn't flagged ahead of the uh, match this afternoon. So you can only imagine it might be a late injury there that we weren't told about. Uh, of course, they were playing against Fulham midweek and uh, Brighton suffered their first defeat of the season against Fulham at Craven College, uh, losing by two goals to one. Um, so that's just the one change for the Brighton team. So uh, coming in for him, when well, I should say uh, coming in, he's going to be replaced in that left wing back position uh, by Leandro Trossard. So that allows... Uh, uh, the start for, I should say, Danny Welbeck. So it is Sanchez in goal for Brighton. A back three of Veltman, Dunk and Webster. It's Solly March, right wing back, Leandro Trossard, left wing back. And then a midfield duo of Caicedo, who's been absolutely fantastic for them this, evening, this season in the centre. And it's Alexis McAllister alongside him. And Wepu and Gross play along is, alongside each other, just behind that lead striker, Danny Welbeck, who we know uh, can be a real... Torn in the side of centre-backs. We saw that old Trafford in the opening weekend of the season. So uh, a good focal point there for Brighton. You really have been playing with a false nine for the previous matches uh, leading up to this. Leicester City, meanwhile, well, they haven't had a win yet this season. It's not looking good for Brendan Rodgers, who was uh, quite downhearted, you'd have to say, in his comments uh, following their 1-0 defeat to Manchester United midweek. And uh, there was uh, an explainer in the programme notes by the club owner in uh, in before that game as to why they hadn't spent any money this summer and it's just a uh, reading on the back of a few seasons where Brendan Rodgers has had a lot of money to spend on players and uh, as we know 
uh, that uh, the owners are also in the business of uh, duty-free on airlines and that hasn't gone too well for them over the last couple of years so they've really had to tighten up their spending over uh, the last couple of seasons and especially this summer when they haven't really brought up any brought in any new players apart from Fout Face who doesn't even make the squad this weekend so uh, two changes for the Leicester City team they are up front and they've dropped two big players there. Jamie Vardy has been dropped to the bench for Leicester City. And joining him there is Kieran Dewsbury Hall. Coming in for them, Kielecci Iannaccio making his first league start of the season. He's had four goals in 26 appearances last season. A bit of a, um, I should say, a, a dissension from him. 12 goals in the previous season. So they could do with him getting that kind of form of this game. Patson Daka as well making his first league start. Five goals for him last season. We'll see can he make or score his first for this season. So uh, just to run you to the Leicester City team then starting a goal for them it is Danny Ward who really had a poor game last week and Justin plays a right back Thomas left back it's Ndidi and Evans as the centre halves Sumari plays as the defensive midfielder with Tielemans and Madison playing in the midfield with Daka and Barnes we imagine playing as the wide positions Kelechi Iheanacho playing as the lead striker Brighton have started well Stephen fourth going into today the manager knows what he's doing they play good football what's not to like? Yeah, I think they're a really attractive team. I think, though, this season, as in previous seasons with, with Brighton, John, their problem, well, they've had two problems, I think, and that's scoring goals. Um, and then secondly, it's beating the teams around them, beating the teams like, I think last season, they got two points against the newly promoted sides. So it's all well and good playing well against the big teams. You up your game, but you can't be an underdog after six seasons in the Premier League. At some point, you have to start beating the mid-table, lower-table lower table teams and try and uh, build on the success they've had over the last few seasons. We know Graham Potter is a fantastic coach. Um, he's really, uh, you know, I suppose what you call a modern coach, and he likes his team to pass. He likes to keep pressure on the ball. He likes his teams to play in the opposition half. You don't see them defending deep too much, but they just haven't got a striker who's going to score 20 to 30 goals a season. And they let, of course, Neil Mopay go to Everton at the end of the transfer window. He wasn't exactly uh, what you would call a top-class striker. He was pretty for, poor in front of goal, you'd have to say, because he would squander most of his chances across the season. Um, Danny Welbeck now playing as a lead striker. Not exactly prolific either. He'll give you plenty of hold-up play and uh, he can bring other players into the game. But it's just getting that player who can score you 20 to 30 goals a season, they still don't have it. Now, they do have a young man called Evan Ferguson on the bench, yeah. who we all hope will do very well. Now, he doesn't play on the bench today, I should mention, but he's there, thereabouts. He did well in the League Cup uh, the week before last against Forest Green. But as we know, Graham Potter, he doesn't like to throw players in uh, too deep and too soon. We even see with Tariq Lamptey, and we know he's had his problems with injuries. But even that aside, Lamptey, as we know, it did really well coming in as the right wing back but he hasn't had regular starts because Potter doesn't like to give young players or put too much pressure on their shoulders, but I suppose as well to expose them to too many games. We see it over the last you know, decade or so in the Premier League, the likes of Michael Owen, Wayne Rooney, these kind of players who perhaps maybe play too many games at too young of an age. And perhaps I think Graham Potter is mindful of that and he does want to put too much stress on the bones and the muscles of young players like Evan Ferguson. So we'll see today how Danny Welbeck can do. We know he can score goals. He's up against a side really lacking in confidence in Leicester City. Um, I, I just can't... I have to say, now, I was watching their game against Manchester United as well. Yeah. They actually weren't too bad, John. They were actually okay. But, you know, when you've had that many defeats as, as Leicester City have had, they've only got one point on the board after five games. Confidence is low. 
the words from the manager, they wouldn't feel you with confidence either. No. So I, I think Brighton should be pretty uh, sure that they can go in today and claim all three points. It is a fall for Leicester, isn't it? Narrowly missing out in the Champions League twice. They won the FA Cup. It was all happy, clappy then. But Fafana's left, Schmeichel's left. It just appears to have gone sour. Rogers doesn't look the happiest either. No, and we've seen this before when... I suppose when he has no interest really in managing the club that he want that he's at, um, things can go downhill fairly quickly. We saw it at Celtic, um, we saw previous clubs as well. So, I just think the comments that he made during the week after the game against Manchester United it just seemed like he was basically saying, "I can't, you know, work with the tools I have." Um, to to uh, paraphrase him, and when you've got the the owners making those comments, and I I have to say it was uh, I thought it was good of the owners to come out and be you know be upfront and honest with the supporters just to say to them, look, this is where we are at the moment because a lot of times you know supporters are left in the dark by their owners. We see that up with Manchester United, but. I think it's good for, for them to be honest with the supporters but when you got Brendan Rodgers who is a good coach you know and he's got a good squad there he's got good players there I know he's lost Wesley Fofana but he's got experience there to come in I suppose maybe it's not ideal playing a defensive midfielder and indeed he has a centre half but he can do the job there Danny Ward perhaps is a big issue there because he, ju- he just doesn't look like a Premier League goalkeeper um, he's made a few mistakes over the last number of games and perhaps maybe that's what's Erking Rogers at the moment. He wanted a more experienced goalkeeper to come in there to replace Casper Schmeichel left during the summer. So, yeah, it's it's not looking good for Leicester City at the moment, and it might be a while before they can scrape out of that bottom three if they do at all. All right, Stephen, thanks so much. You're with Graham Gartland today. The former League of Ireland and FAI Cup winner will join you just before two o'clock for the full call on uh, Brighton against Leicester City. Anne Marie, there's Championship action as well today. Yeah, John, that's right. Three games in the Championship. There's an hour gone in our early kickoff and Reading lead Stoke City 2-1 at the Majetsky. The Republic of Ireland's Shane Long and Jeff Hendrick have both lined out there for the hosts. Later on, Huddersfield face Blackpool and Hull host Sheffield United, who would go back up to the top of the table with a win. Both of those games kick off at three o'clock. What's going on with Liverpool at the moment? Are you happy? Um, no, they're pretty poor. Yeah, yesterday wasn't great. Um, probably the best Merseyside derby, though, in a while. Yeah, it was uh, for a nil all draw. Yeah. It was really entertaining. Yeah, they don't look right. Um, it's not clicking. The front three isn't working. They have been really unlucky with injuries and also the season um, last year running right up to the last week of May. So they did have a really quick turnover in terms of pre-season. So they don't look right. Perhaps they are a little bit fatigued, but it's it's just not working. Everything looks so laboured and hard work and kind of slowed. You know, they're not like just um, bossing teams like they were last season and the 1920 uh, season. I don't know if they're going to see those highs again. It kind of feels like perhaps it peaked last year. Uh, so it could be kind of downhill from there. But you, like I said, they've been really unlucky with injuries. So get a few players back. Thiago is an obviously a massive loss in midfield. He kind of provides that little bit of magic. And the verdict, I think, is still out on Nunez, the new sign-in for the first half an hour yesterday. I was just thinking this really won't work. And then he did really well when he almost scored. Six games in, and then he got back uh, for a really good tackle just before half time so my mind was kind of swaying again but I don't know it's just I think they miss Mane so much like so so much um, like he was 
he just worked so hard. He was so strong. He was so fast. He was integral to everything they did. I think he's a massive loss and Salah just doesn't look right either. So they're obviously now it's really early, but it doesn't look like they're going to have a title race with City like they did last season anyways. So perhaps the attention has to shift now to Champions League and top four. Although then City dropped points yesterday. So perhaps it's a season where everybody could be vulnerable. Haaland is the story, isn't he, of the season? He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. And I, I, I've, like, I wouldn't have had too much interest in watching City live before. Like, I wouldn't be switching on to it because it always kind of seemed... There just wasn't so much. Are you trying to say he's an appointment? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I've now watched. I, I think I've watched, or certainly tried to watch any game that has been live on Sky or BT or whatever when they've been playing, just mm. to watch him. I just think he's. Just, it's just unbelievable because you don't. Well, first of all, it's kind of. It's always fascinating when someone's just scoring so freely. So I is he? I don't even know what it's on. It was a ten or eleven. Ten out of six. Ten. Yeah. <laughs> ten out of six. As Joanna Reardon said on Twitter, he's like a Marvel character. It's just. It's completely. It's. Um, you're watching now to see can he chase down these records well, yeah. as well almost. You yeah, he he's intriguing, do. yeah. And you're kind of, at the same time, kind of not worried, but you're kind of like, God, I wonder how long someone can do that without um, not burning up. Believe a nice break of a World Cup to look to, with Norway not involved. But if he keeps doing what he's doing and City, I always, I, I don't know, watching them, like obviously they let in a few more goals than you typically expect of them. But if that is tightened up, I, I, it's kind of I, I don't I think they've about I'm not sure how many games there might be about 11 or 10 maybe now Premier League games they might have left before that break Um, obviously the drop points yesterday but I'd say they could go a good stretch again depending on what maybe Arsenal do depending on what Spurs do Um, they could I don't know if they'll be they won't be out of sight obviously but it could, it could be a 5 or 6 point cushion though on that. yeah and it'll be hard to reel them back in especially yeah. if you're saying after Haaland's had a break yeah I'm, they're very interesting. It's not necessarily the greatest competitive. No. But it's interesting. Yeah, it is. And the way he's hit the ground running so fast, it's it's really impressive. So, women's golf on OTB in association with KPMG, proudly supporting women in sport. And how is Leona Maguire doing stateside, Anne-Marie? Really well. She's just three shots off the lead heading into the final day of the Dana Open. That's on the LPGA Tour. She shot a five under par round of 66 yesterday to move into a tie for fourth place on 11 under in Ohio. She'll tee off this afternoon just before three o'clock Irish time. 19-year-old American Lucy Lee holds the outright lead there on 14 under par. Meanwhile, there is golf on the DP World Tour taking place as well today. And Jonathan Caldwell shot a two under par round of 69. That was in his final round of the Maiden Himmerland event in Denmark. That saw him finish up on six under all round. England's Matthew Southgate is the outright leader there on 18 under par. Paul Dunn finished up back on two over. You disappointed to see Shane Walsh go? No, I think that hopefully now all of this can be put to bed and um, Shane Walsh will have a good championship with Kilmacud Croaks I don't see anything too wrong with what Shane Walsh has done he's living and uh, studying in Dublin he has cited that the commitments to travel back down for club championship are too much so I think he was right to make the move that is probably only going to be about two years so best of luck to him I say 
You're He's not gone from Galway. You're Salt Hill, that's why I asked the question. <laughs> He'll play for the county. He plays today for Kilmacud. Yes, he is likely to make his highly anticipated debut for Kilmacud Croaks. The Galway Natives transfer to the South Dublin club was finalised last week. He starts on the bench, as does Paul Mannion, for their Dublin Senior Championship Group 1 Round 3 game, which is against Temple Oak Sing Street at Parnell Park. Throw in there at half two. That's part of a double header in Donny Carney. Ballymon Kickhams and Kula in Group 2 is at a quarter past four. What is going on in the tennis? I haven't seen any of it, I have to say. Andy Murray's conquer Matteo Berrettini is in action in the last 16 of the men's singles at the US Open today. The Italian faces Alejandro Davadovic Fokina of Spain later on this afternoon. Elsewhere, Norway's Kasper Ruud comes up against Croatia or Corentin Motea and then Karen Kavanovic takes on Pablo Correno Busta later on. In the women's draw, Coco Goff will look to book a quarterfinal spot in her home open. Standing in her way though is China's Shui Zhang and later on Isla Tomlianovic will look to add to her win on Friday over Serena Williams when she plays Ludmila Samsavina. Well you got through that, it's always hard isn't it? <laughs> don't ask me names. to say them again. <laughs> like you stop breakfast is a nightmare every single day with those tennis names. I, I don't know what, the, what They I just make you so nervous as well, the yeah, run up it's, to them. <laughs> it's it's, it's break, breaking up the play isn't it? Uh, 53106 your text, Rogers can't make decisions check his substitutions he's pedantic bye bye Brendan join the Irish government masters of indecision <laughs> be the weirdest text Sad I've day. seen in a while uh, Liverpool's still second favourite for the Premier League work that out says Brian and is this the same Haaland who was a wagon after the charity shield and is it the same Nunez who was top man after the same game says Aaron and this is it with them um, yeah people make a bit of that, a bit much out of that I really think the over there's, there's been an overreaction to the perceived reaction to that I don't think anyone was saying anything was set in stone after that game God Almighty! Like you only have to look at what they've done. Yeah, look, it's the the, the real competition is the one that matters, and that's yeah. the Premier League. Though, until you see the, the first games, the first game for Liverpool was Fulham. The first game for City it was the one Haaland scored. I can't even remember who they played first. West Ham. West Ham. There you go. Yeah, it was two 0 wasn't it? He yeah. scored twice, didn't he? Did, yeah, yeah. yeah. At, the London A penalty Stadium. and one from play. Better memory than me. Match for Stappen. He'll look to extend his lead at the top of the driver's standings in this afternoon's Dutch Grand Prix. The current world champion will start his home race from the front after pipping title rival Charles Leclerc to pole position in yesterday's qualifying session. Ferrari's Carlos Sainz will start from third on the grid with Lewis Hamilton of Mercedes just behind him in fourth. That gets underway shortly enough at two o'clock. I'm Marie and Arthur, thanks so much. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. We'll speak to you a bit later on.